And again, picking my niche. That's that's like the the number one thing is find your niche and niche down as far as you can go. I didn't just niche down to service providers because I don't know a thing about retail and inventory and point of sale systems and any of that. That's that's not me. You want to find somebody else to help mm -hmm. you with all of that stuff. Knowing who my audience is and speaking directly to them instead of trying to reach the broad accounting market in general where you open your arms and you say, somebody, anybody, please just come be my client. There's a big difference there. Do you need to hire fast with confidence? Don't gamble with a new hire. Test their knowledge with account tests. Account Tests offers a suite of technical knowledge, personality, and critical reasoning tests designed by accountants for accounting firms. Send an online test to a job candidate and get an instant report when they finish. That means you can make offers ahead of the competition. Check them out at www.accounttests.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-E-S-T-S dot com. And stay tuned for a special offer coming up later in the episode. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Earmark Podcast. I am your host, Blake Oliver, CPA, joined today by Sandy York. Sandy, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Sandy, I have a confession to make. I'm a bit sleep deprived today. Uh, <laughs> I didn't sleep so good. But then I realized that this ties in well, I think, in, in some respects to our topic today, which is Instagram, because Instagram has been criticized for keeping teenagers awake and <laughs> sleep deprived for years now. And I know it happens to us millennials as well. Now, it wasn't social media keeping me awake last night, but uh, it could have been. And I'm excited to talk to you about Instagram and, and how you've built a whole business, it sounds like, on Instagram to find clients. And, and, and please, tell us a bit about your firm, what you do. Love to know your background. Well, I certainly never expected to get here as quickly as I did. I have been in and out of public accounting since, well, 1990 is when I first got in. I'm going to save the listeners the math. I'm going to be 55 in December. So I've been doing this for a very, very long time. I have been jumped ship from public accounting numerous times during my career, but I kept coming back to it because as I moved, it was the easiest place to get hired. I am married to a Coast Guardsman, so we move every three to four years. Full disclosure, we've only been married 10 years, so I've only been moving half of his career because he's been in over 22 years now. But... Once you get up to like manager, senior manager, it gets really tough to go find a comparable job in the outside world if you're going to move every four years. No one wants to hire a CFO who's going to take off after four years and they have to go through the expense of hiring all over again. So, well, unless you can work remotely, but I'm taking it like yeah. most jobs at this time, you know, they're not they're not letting you do that. They want you in that in that office, right? Right, right. I mean, I think it's gotten a little better since COVID, but now there's still that just insane push to get people back into the office, which I understand at certain levels. But anyway. And, and I take it you're at home right now because I hear the uh, the dog in the background there. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know. It's I've all right. I've the door closed. I have her music on. <laughs> I have I have a dog myself. Fortunately, he is keeping quiet right now. So I understand. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. It, sometimes it's my son running in in the middle of a webinar. That actually happened during covid uh, a thousand people got to meet him. And it, fortunately, it went well. But yes, it's risky. So long story short, I got burned out in public accounting, just like everyone else has. I was working for a very large, very large firm in Buffalo, New York, when finally I decided something had to change. I just couldn't do it. I'm, I'm getting older. I didn't want to be working 65 plus hours a week anymore. Busy season never ended. You just rolled right into whatever next was coming. So I ended up bailing without anything to go to. Oh, so you and quit, quit, nothing lined up. Yeah, super scary. Never done anything <laughs> like that in my life. Um, I had a little bit of savings that would carry me for a very short time. 
because I had this idea. I had this idea about Instagram, and I'll back up and talk about you know where that idea came from. Yeah. But I was fully expecting after three months of just taking that leap without the net, having to go get a part time job somewhere. And you know, my husband was super supportive. He's like, "Okay, yeah, give it a shot, but you know, just don't let us go broke. <laughs> essentially, <laughs> don't let us lose the house." So I got started with this Instagram idea of full throttle, and I never had to get the part-time job, and things are still just exploding. So I will back up and explain how we even got there in the first part. So yeah, you're gonna have to fill in that gap for me because that seems like quite a leap. So you had a, what was your role before when you left public accounting? I was a senior manager. Okay, so you're a senior manager. You just leave, you quit with nothing lined up, uh, which, you know, that's something I might do because but I'm, I'm a little weird, right? Like most people, <laughs> they tend to have things lined up, right? So uh, yeah. but you'd, you'd burned out. You, so th- and then you started building a business on Instagram. Like what led you to like deciding that was how you were going to grow your own practice? Yeah. So it was July of 2021 when I left the firm. Two years prior to that, actually probably four years prior to that, I have a, I have a very close friend that I am in constant contact with, you know, almost every day we message each other. And she and I kind of like our own little mastermind and completely different related fields, but we bounce each other ideas off each other all the time. And she had told me as she was watching me burn out that personal trainers, she, among uh, many other things, including journalists, she's a personal trainer. And she said, personal trainers don't get any instruction on how to manage finances, how to run a business, bookkeeping, taxes, any of it. We're constantly surprised at the end of the year by what we owe in taxes. I really think that you could build an online course that would teach them how to do these things and that you would be very successful. And I thought it was an interesting idea, but I didn't know how to do it. I knew like making the PDF part, the video links, that's easy. How would you even market this thing? I don't, I don't get it. So I just kind of sat on that idea and she would prompt me every, you know, six months or so. Hey, you know, you're still continuing to burn out. That's, that's still an idea you could take and run with. Okay. Somewhere in that time, I, I, 2016, I had opened a personal Instagram account and I was just posting what everybody posts on there personally. I've got my pictures of my family, my dog, what we're doing. And I started following all the things that I was passionate about, all of the health and fitness accounts. I've lifted weights my entire adult career. I've been a runner. I've done, you know, whatever. I love being outdoors. These were the things I was following. I happened to follow an account of a doctor of physical therapy who was going by the handle, the movement maestro. And she was putting out these videos. They're like, hey, does your shoulder hurt? Try these exercises in this order. Give it a shot. Let me know how it goes. And she was actually there in the DMs, like answering people who would who would respond to her and say, hey, I tried this. It feels a lot better. What else you got? And her entire account was physical therapy tidbits. They were all professionally done. The videos looked great. She was using all the latest Instagram tools for captioning and, and whatever. You know, the, the branding, the coloring was on, on point. Around 2019, she started to shift away from the physical therapy content and started to shift toward building an online business. So I just kind of happened to be in the right place at the right time to get these free Instagram tutorials. And while she was pitching it from online business to coaches who want to do like personal training online or um, what do they call it? telehealth, telehealth mm-hmm. appointments, that kind of thing, here I am as accountant going, well, I have this idea for a course. Maybe if I could build an audience on Instagram, I could sell the course. So she did this thing, um, post every day for seven days and tag me in it so I can see your post. And this is going to be how you get started with consistency on Instagram. So I created an account called Fit Money Coach, which is my account as it is today, and participated in that challenge. And it all just kind of went from there. I built that course. I put it on Teachable. At the end of the year, I broke even. <laughs> That's not what we want to do. You know? That was not the goal to put all of that sweat and, and money into it and break even. So, so the purpose of your account, so your account at first, the purpose was I'm going to create an online course on Teachable, and then I'm going to use Instagram to give out tidbits 
and then get mm-hmm. people to go buy the course. Yeah. Okay. But that, that was the idea. But it wasn't really delivering the results you were hoping for. It was not. What I okay. found out was that people actually wanted a way to work with me. So the next thing I did was give them a way to pay me. I set up an acuity account and I developed what I call coaching calls, which is really an accountant consultation. But rather than being so formal about it and put it in their language, because I was targeting my ideal client was in the health and fitness space. I wanted a service provider. I wanted someone who was doing all of the things that I had either used the services of or participated in those services. And I could speak their language. They just couldn't speak mine. So did the coaching calls and started them really cheap, like 45 minutes, I think was 75 bucks in the beginning. Today, they're 149. And I feel better about, I think, I think 149 is the right price for those. I get so many people who call me, we do a Zoom and we talk about, should they be an LLC or not? If they're very, very, you know, starting in the very, from scratch, how should they track their income and expenses if they're not yet to the point where they want to make a leap to QuickBooks? Do they really need to separate their bank accounts? We go through all of these different things. And then for the more advanced. So they just come to you with their list of questions, like ready Mm -hmm. to go. They've booked the time. They've already paid. It's on your calendar. Uh, Can I ask before you go, I want to hear more about the advanced stuff, but how did you make that leap from here I am putting, trying to get people to go to my course to then, you know, scheduling these calls, these consultations. How did that, how did that happen? Yeah. So I started doing a thing on Instagram called Free Coaching Friday, and I would just post up an image, Free Coaching coaching Friday. I'll be kind of paying attention today. Ask me some questions and I'll answer them. And so I got enough interest in that that I thought maybe people would pay me. Is that where you use the, like the Q&A feature in Instagram where you can, I I did some of that. That was in stories at the time. It might still be. But I would I would po- double post it. I'd post it to stories so I could use the Q&A. And that way it could be anonymous if they wanted. But then I'd also leave the image and they could just comment their questions if they were comfortable oh, got in, it. The, in the actual comments. And I would respond in the comments for everybody to see. Got it. Okay. So you, you, you're using both. You're using the stories feature and the comments in the Instagram post. Okay. Please continue. Yeah. Yeah. So my mentor, the movement maestro, her, her actual name is Dr. Shante Cofield. She was. She always had made it a point to say, teach everything you know for free. People will pay you to teach them the specifics that apply to them. So I went with that. I did, I did all of the free teaching I could think of to do. After a while, it gets really hard to think of new and exciting topics for accounting. But I gave them the way to, to pay me to learn more, essentially. And now I still have... I'd say I do a minimum of three calls a month. It's it's not, you know, like I'm spending all day, every day on the phone. I think I'd probably shoot myself if I did. But, um, you know, I get, I think it's on, on an annual basis, maybe 5% of my income comes from coaching calls. But I'm guessing that the coaching calls turn into clients. A lot of times they do. It depends on how far along they are in their business. For the advanced ones, we could be talking about things like, is it time for me to escort? Um, uh-huh. people who are actually making money and wanting to know how much to set aside in savings for taxes will go through the calculations and figure out, okay, let's, let's set aside this percentage of your gross income, not your net, because that way you get in that habit as soon as someone pays you, you're saving for taxes. If you save too much, fantastic, refund yourself. If you don't save enough, then you've got that much less you have to come up with when it comes time to settle up your tax bill. And is that something you're doing on the calls or is that something you're also putting out onto your Instagram? I do that on the calls. On the calls. Okay. Got it. But you, mm-hmm. but you're, what you said there that I, that stuck with me is you're not, you're not holding anything back for the calls. The calls are, how do I apply this strategy to my personal situation? You're, you're right. putting all the information out there on your Instagram, which I think is right. kind of different than we think a lot of times. A lot of times as practitioners, we worry if I tell everybody how to do this stuff, then they don't need to hire me. Right. But, but they'll still hire you. They will still hire you. It's kind of it's kind of developing an inverse relationship with them where you give and you give and you give so much that finally when they're ready to hire somebody, they go, well, I'm going to go to this person that's been giving me all of this information. Because most people, they don't want to actually, they don't want to actually form their own S-Corp. They don't want to actually set up yes. payroll to do it, right? They, that's what they need the help with. Yes. Uh, but, 
Okay. Well, that's fascinating. So you're doing, how many of these calls are you doing a, a month now? You said a handful? Yeah, a handful. I would okay. say an average month is probably at least five. It's not crazy. So, if, uh, if I could work it out where I could just do the calls and not do the stuff that takes all of my time, that would be fantastic. But I don't see that flip, that switch flipping anytime soon. Right. How, how often are you posting on Instagram? So it used to be daily, and I would still love to be able to do it daily. But in the meantime, once I left the firm in July of 2021, around September is when I started taking monthly bookkeeping clients. Because I would have people ask me in the calls, people ask me through DMs on Instagram, and none of my attempts at selling a product were, were going to make it. Everyone seemed to want to work one-on-one -on -one with me. So I thought, well, shoot, let's just go for it. So, so you built your client list by accident, trying to sell a course. Yeah. And, and is that the only way you've gotten new clients is like Instagram? I imagine they refer to you to others. Is it Exactly. It's Instagram and it's referrals. And now I'm getting a lot more referrals than people who just stumble upon me on Instagram. Here's, here's the thing that I want accountants specifically to know about Instagram. The beauty of it is that you're not just a little bubble image icon sitting at the top of your LinkedIn profile, for example, or any other social media profile. You don't have to just be that bubble. You can go on video, if you're comfortable with it, and be a living, talking human being. They can see your personality. I don't try to be professional. I try to be anti-professional. I use the poop emoji in my graphics and in my comments. I go on Instagram with no makeup, my hair in a messy bun. I look like I just got done working out because I did because my clients are health and fitness. I want them to feel like they can come to me in between their clients and they don't have to worry about getting cleaned up and sitting down and being composed and ready for this meeting and, and all of that. Yeah. Come as you are and we'll figure it out. Let's get your questions answered. You're making them comfortable because you, I mean, you're passionate about what they're passionate about. Yes. And and yes. you are you are dressed like they are dressed and you're part of that community and uh I can totally see how it wouldn't it wouldn't this idea of like we need to be professional by wearing the pantsuit and the you know the jackets and the the ties or whatever, right? All that stuff doesn't yeah. really work when it comes to this group of people. Right. And uh. that's the beauty of it. When I was working at the at the large firm, you know, Everybody who's in a firm right now will understand this. You get assigned a client, and that client is yours, typically, until either you leave or the client leaves. And you can get stuck with some pretty, let's just call them clients you don't want to be working on anymore. They're difficult for whatever reason, whether whether it's the transactions, the situations they get themselves into, personalities. It's just you you automatically, you you can think of right now five clients. You're like, oh, I wish I could just take these people off my plate. I don't have any of that. I niched down to who I wanted to work with. So for me, I've got, at this point, my, my monthly client list are physical therapists, chiropractors. I didn't expect to get those. I was expecting personal trainers and yoga teachers. Um, chiropractors, which I do have those as well. Yeah. The big one right now is Pilates Studios. I had, I had two Pilates Studios unrelated to each other. And they're starting to tell two friends, and they tell two friends, and so on and so on. So I'm starting to get more Pilates studios now. I have circus performers. One of the things I was doing in Buffalo before I left was taking aerial classes. I was taking aerial lira and aerial silks. And it was something that was so fun for me to use the strength that I had trained for and be able to express it in a creative way. So I put a couple okay. of videos of that... <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask you about the aerial stuff. So is this like, I've been to Cirque du Soleil and yeah. I've seen the performers in the air with this, like, it looks like they're hanging on drapery, like, like these giant, yes. like fabrics silks. hanging from the ceiling. Is that silks? Okay. Is that what you're talking yes. about? Yes. Wow. So you were doing that. So you're, you're picturing Cirque du Soleil. Let's picture yeah. it six inches off the ground. <laughs> That's what I was doing. <laughs> not not 40 feet off the ground or whatever it no. is. Yeah. No. Okay. I but, have an but extreme fear of heights, so it was always fun. <laughs> it's the same idea, though. It's the same, same idea, though. Okay. Wow. So it turns out there are a lot of performers and coaches and people who teach these classes around the country, 
And one thing that I do on Instagram is like, I'll put all of my accounting talking points in a general post. In my stories these days, I put all my personal life. They see me riding my motorcycle, my dirt bikes. They see me snowmobiling. They see me cross-country skiing. Snow. They see my dog. Whatever it is I'm doing in my personal life, they see all of that. I don't have, we moved, we moved to upstate Michigan, Upper Peninsula, Michigan. So I don't have an aerial studio now. But every once in a while, I'll drag out one of my old videos and throw that up there. And then, you know, a, a circus coach will see that. And so now I've got two circus coaches on monthly service. And I've got at least one more that's a regular coaching call client. And I think I've got one that's a tax client as well. Three. I have three on monthly service. So, wow. yeah. So, yeah. That's... So I don't have any of that dread of, you know, oh, God, I got to work with this client. I'm I'm getting to work with the people I enjoy working with. I definitely, you know, I, I didn't work at a big firm for very long, but I definitely remember one client that was a big one that I was assigned to, and we just didn't mesh, you know, personality-wise. It wasn't working, but I had no choice, and it was, it was not fun. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You don't have a choice. You've got to work on what what is assigned to you, unless you yeah. can find the right partner to plead your case to and maybe get switched to probably an even worse client. <laughs> <laughs> That's the risk, right? <laughs> it could always be worse. Wow. It could always be worse. Yeah. So, so you know, anybody that's looking at like doing something like this, I'd say find the niche that you love. Find, you know, if it's service providers, great. If, if you've had a terrible experience at a chiropractor or a terrible experience at a physical therapist, don't choose those people as your clients because you're just going to take over that resentment into their bookkeeping and tax prep. You've got to find what it is that you're passionate about, if possible. And maybe mm -hmm. if it's not a passion, at least it's a community of people that you're excited about. Thank you to Accountests for sponsoring this episode. Have you ever hired a team member whose actual accounting ability fell far short of what they claimed on their resume or in the interview? If so, you've experienced the frustration, disruption, and financial cost of a bad hire. Don't gamble with a new hire. Test their knowledge before you hire with Account Tests. Account Tests offers a suite of technical knowledge, critical reasoning, and personality tests designed by accountants so accounting firms can learn if job candidates truly meet your requirements. Send an online test to the candidate. After they complete it, you'll get an instant report about the candidate's accounting skills, intellectual ability, and working style. That means you can make a fast offer ahead of your competition to the best and brightest. Account Tests also helps you retain and develop your current team members. Is there someone on the team you might want to promote? Is there someone you're thinking about putting in more of a client-facing role? Try the ARPQ personality profile. It's a personality test designed specifically for accounting firms. You'll learn your employee's preferred working style and get a personal development plan to help them and your firm reach your goals. Account Tests has a special offer for the listeners of our show. Visit www.accounttests.com, choose any of their tests, and get 50% off by using the code EARMARK50. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-E-S-T-S dot com. So you're not doing aerials uh, because you're in the Upper Peninsula. And I imagine, yeah, those are probably hard to find uh, outside yeah. of larger cities, I imagine. Uh, so what, what are you doing to stay fit? I have an online fitness coach that I'm working with now. She is someone that I worked with her spouse when I lived in Niagara, New York. So that's that's working well for my weight training. And then gosh, everything outdoors you could think of. We are the snow capital up here. So we're just coming into the season where I'll get out my cross-country skis and my snowshoes. Oh, I have never been more sore than the day after I did cross-country skiing. I, I Only once. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a workout. It is a workout. Yeah. It's fun. Well, that's great. So, so how many clients... Uh, well, first of all, like you started at zero. How long until you had the number of clients you're happy with? Like, are you happy with how many clients you have? Are you, are you done? Are you taking more? <laughs> you know, it seems like you got there in a pretty short amount of time. I got there super short. My initial goal was to get 25 people who would pay me 200 bucks a month. 
I could make around 65000 a year before taxes and work maybe 20, 30 hours a month, and that would be great. And they just started coming out of the woodwork. I mean, my client acquisition cost is zero. It's all Instagram. I haven't run any paid ads wow. um, okay. in referrals from existing clients. I am up to 44 monthly clients right now. And 20, I don't think that's right. I wrote down 21 tax. Oh, 21 tax are the ones who aren't also bookkeeping. So 21 separate tax. I am no longer accepting standalone tax clients. I can't do it. I've got to be able, I'm all, everything I do is QuickBooks platform, Intuit platform. Uh -huh. So I want to be able to export from QuickBooks right into ProConnect and not have to manually key everything. Oh yeah, probably saves you a ton of time. So so I, I want to run through those numbers again because I think they're they're fascinating to me. So uh, you said forty something bookkeeping clients, mm -hmm. twenty something tax only, but you're trying to get rid of that. What's your average on the bookkeeping monthly? So my average client is two. Let's call it two twenty two a month. So I'm I'm you know around eight grand a month just in bookkeeping. Two twenty two two hundred dollars you know and change per month for a client. You know, David, Leary, and I were chatting on our cloud accounting podcast the other day, and we were, uh, you know, David said something about how it's hard to make a living on $200 a month clients. And I think a lot of folks who, like myself, had a big firm experience where we, we couldn't charge people less than like $1,000 a month and make it work. Right. Um, like, how do you make it, how do you make that work? Because I think that comes as a surprise to people. Yeah. So you have to be good at saying no to things and what you won't do. I will not do payroll because I did payroll years and years ago, the first time I went out on my own. And I quickly discovered that I never got a vacation because it was always somebody's payroll. Now, nowadays, how easy is it? You've got Gusto, you've got OnPay, you've got Zenefits, you know, there's any, you QuickBooks payroll, there's any number of payroll service providers out there. And with the complexity that came with payroll after all of the COVID stuff and deferring this and, and you know, benefits, ERCs, all of that stuff, I'm just, I, I could not take any employee retention credit clients. That's just something I chose not to specialize in. I won't do payroll. I will do your bookkeeping around your payroll. I'll make sure that the Gusto journal entry imports correctly, but I'm not going to do your payroll. You're not going to process it for them. You're not going right. like, to pick up the phone and they tell you the hours and you key it in. Right. No Got way. It. Can't do it. Okay. All of my clients, because they are health service based, they and, and I built my my accounting my my firm model matches theirs. I bill on a subscription basis, first of the month. Here's your charge. Pay your bill. I'll do your work. I'm not your bank. I'm not going to be trying to chase people down and collect on receivables. They're used to that. So inside their QuickBooks, everything's coming in from Stripe or Square or. Jane is the payment app that a lot of the physical therapists are using. So everything is already in their bank account. All of their bill pay, they're doing electronically. Everything is coming in on that electronic bank feed. I'm classifying transactions. I'm reconciling the bank account. And I'm sending them monthly financials. And I'm pointing out key indicators about gross income, net income, percent of operating costs, if I see anything like super concerning as I'm looking at it, I will bring that up. Um, they have unlimited contact with me if they need to call and ask a question. We'll set up a Zoom call through the same Acuity link so we don't have to go back and forth trying to arrange a time, but I give them a coupon code so it's free to them. Yeah, it's about it. So it's very streamlined. I'm hearing you don't run the payroll, they run it, but you are able to get the reports you need to do the journal entries or you've... What, what do you recommend that they use for payroll? I really like Gusto. It's, it's low cost. Most of my people you know, only are either employing themselves if they are an escort or they have one or two employees otherwise. I do have one or two clients that are significantly bigger. I have a couple of very large Pilates studios that are, you know, they're running a million dollars in revenue and they've got maybe 20 people on payroll. So... Those are my outliers. Most mm -hmm. of my people are either only paying themselves or paying, I'd say, less than five employees. Right. So I've been really happy with Gusto. And at the end of the year, you know, I've got this one who's a single member S Corp. So we've got her on really low salary. So we watch cash flow throughout the year. And then in December, we have to do that conversion to get some of her distributions into salary. And Gusto was pretty decent at working with me on that transaction last year. It was actually, I was actually able to talk to a 
human being and walk through that and not be going back through a chat bot trying to get it done. That's always nice. Yes. Human, yeah. The human connection <laughs> is still important. Uh, yes. So what's your GL? QuickBooks. QuickBooks. Okay. And then you said the clients pay their own bills? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what do you, how do you, do they just do that through their bank bill pay? Do you give them a tool, bank bill pay? No, they're, most of them are just figuring out on their own. Either some of them still write checks for rent and whatever, but most of them are just electronic payment on everything. A lot of them are using credit cards for points. And so it's really easy just to import the, the credit card. So you're pulling in the bank feed, you're pulling in the credit card, you're categorizing all that, you're producing the reports, you're sending out the reports. And you said, so you're you're highlighting some numbers for them every month? Mm-hmm. So what I figured out was when I sent the, the exports, I export them into Excel and send them out instead of PDF. No one's complained about that. I'm surprised, but it's easier on my eyes in Excel. But the thing I noticed was that one of my clients who is the most consistent about getting in her records on time, and I know that I'm getting the reports to her on time, she made the comment off one day, you know, I have no idea how much money I'm making. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You send that to you every month. You should know those numbers. So I started doing a, a separate Excel template, basically, so I don't have to do this individually for each person. At least I don't have to write the whole thing out. I drop in the numbers, gross revenue, net income, um, operating expenses, percent of operating expenses to gross income, um, what's your net profit margin, that kind of thing, and send that in the email attached to the financial statements. So the email I get as a client has the executive summary, if you will, or the the key yes. highlights, the, the top numbers I need to look at. That is really helpful. They don't have to open up that PDF file or that Excel yes. report. Yeah. I think yes. I, I, it makes sense to do that, right? But it's mm-hmm. some, something, just, just adding that little ease of, I don't have to take this extra step and look at this big complicated report. It's just, it's all there for me. I love that. Right. Yeah. The one thing that that they all crave, the reason they're coming to me is because they haven't been able to get answers from anyone else. It's no no secret that public accounting is known for not returning phone calls when you're the little guy. Yeah. You know? um, and it's not, I've been there, so I understand what's going on behind the scenes. I know that everybody is losing their people and still trying to service clients. And the, the small firms that handle these $200 a month clients are just so bogged down, they probably have every intention of responding, but just haven't gotten to it yet. So... The point where I'm at now is trying to figure out, I would love to be able to simply, I use ShareFile for sending Mm -hmm. sensitive documents. I would love to be able to simply upload their reports to ShareFile and then they get the email notification that it's there. But by doing that, they lose part of that connection with me. And that's a big part of why they're with me to start with because they know, they they feel like even if they're not taking, paying close attention to their numbers, they know that I've got their back. And they get so excited if I notice things like, holy crap, you you normally gross $10,000 a month. You just had a $30,000 month. Let's take a minute to celebrate that. And also tell me what you did this month that made it so different. They love that I'm watching and paying attention and celebrating with them when they have their successes. Because again, most of these are small business owners. Most of these are people making hundred thousand dollars or less a year. Some of them are making two hundred, but the right. vast majority of mine are at that six figures or less. So it's it's important to them to have that connection. So that's gonna be my stumbling block as yeah. I continue to grow, figuring that well, part out. I love that you mentioned that because it might seem obvious to us as accountants that, oh, you just open the report, you can look at your revenue and you can look at the prior period and see how you did, right? It's, I don't need to call that out for somebody. But yeah, you do, because when somebody has that three times normal month, it's because they were so busy, they don't have time to look at your report and analyze it for themselves. They just need you to give them the, the highlight. And they may not even have any idea that they did that well. I, I, right. I don't know, as a business owner myself, you know, starting a company, I feel like I'm much more empathetic now to my clients that I used to have because I understand how when you're an entrepreneur and you work for yourself, you have so many things that you need to do. There's like an infinite list. So that accounting that accounting stuff is really far down on the list. Yes. You know, 
And it's hard for us, I think, because we do it all day long to to feel that as well. And so that's why mm-hmm. the, I don't know, the customer experience or the ease of getting them the information. And this is why portals fail, the client portals. You know, like it's hard to get people to use them because mm-hmm. it's it's all these extra steps they got to go through. So I understand your hesitation in yeah. moving away from that direct email. I don't know if there's a good solution. I don't know. I, I've started, actually, I've hired three contractors to help on the bookkeeping side. And... I have not yet, I am not yet willing to do that on the tax side just because of all of the sensitive data. And, you know, I'm I'm hiring people that I don't know all yeah. around the country. I mean, yeah, there's background checks and whatever, but I I just that's that's why I've I've quit onboarding standalone tax clients because I just I don't have help on that side yet. I'm gonna get through this coming tax season and see how brutal it is. Um, because no matter what, even if you're working with the people you love, when it comes to tax season and you've got, you can just export from QuickBooks into ProConnect, you still have all of their personal data that you're going to get 75% of, and then they're going to send you the last 25% on April 10th. It's it's still, you're going to have yeah. both people. So I'm protecting myself until I see how this next one goes and then kind of figuring it out from there. Yeah, I feel like the root of all the problems in our profession have to do with the busy season of tax. And so many yeah. people, you know, they've either, they're either trying to get away from it or like, like what you're doing is you're not, you're not getting away from it entirely, but you're saying I'm only going to do tax for people who I also do the books for. Right. Which that way you have fewer tax returns, right? You don't have this compression, the same amount of compression. I mean, you got some of it, right? But some of it, yeah, some of it. Yeah. But you, it, Ideally, you can collect a lot of the information throughout the year. Yes. Are, are you, yeah, what are you planning? Like, are you planning for this tax season now? Or is that something you're going to do in December? Like, what are you, what's your schedule look like for the next few months? Right now, um, it's kind of what I call the start of 1099 season. So I'm scanning through everyone's books as I go through them this month and looking for those people that we're going to need to do 1099s for. And I should Starting, say, as we record, it is mid-November. Yes, yes. Um, and it's an interesting wrinkle this year because, you know, there's always been the rule that if you paid someone by a credit card, you didn't have to include that amount in your 1099 to them because the merchant's going to cover that. Right. Well, now with the merchants going down to the $600 level and including PayPal and Venmo, it's going to knock out a lot of 1099s hmm. that we used to have to send. So that's going to be good, but I kind of have this nagging fear of double reporting. You know, someone right. not not paying attention to that, picking up the full amount of the 1099. Now you got the full amount on your 1099K, and you know the IRS is going to bang those two together, and it's going to be this nightmare of correspondence trying to get that sorted out. So yeah, it could actually kind make of bracing things, for that to make things more complicated in some ways. <laughs> yeah. it, of course, you know that's how it always. That's. <laughs> We never we never catch a break, right? It's never going to be yeah easy. <laughs> but yeah, back get, to your question. Um, yeah, yeah. Mid January, I will send out from from within ProConnect. Um, they have the organizer and the portal, it, and this gets complicated too because I use ShareFile for year round basis, and then ProConnect has its own portal. And the advantage of them uploading directly to ProConnect portal is it will actually import all of the government documents. So I don't have to key any of that stuff either. So mid-January is when I'll get out my engagement letters and such and open up the portal for this coming tax season. Well, and, and you're doing 60 or so returns, it sounds like? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot better than 600. Yes. <laughs> Way better. Which is probably what you'd have to do if you weren't doing the bookkeeping, right? It would end up being yeah. hundreds and yeah. hundreds of returns. And tax is not my favorite. I'm good yeah. at it. And it's easier, it's way easier to come up with tax topics for Instagram posts than it is bookkeeping, but it's, it's really not my favorite thing to do. But that's Just how you because get- because of the compression. That's how you go viral on uh, Instagram and TikTok, right? It's you, you got to give people these crazy tax saving strategies. Yes. Have, yes. have you dabbled in any of that? <laughs> oh my God. So not personally, I will, I do the opposite. I you know, do the opposite of everything on my Instagram account. I I will not go on and say, okay, the Augusta rule, you can rent your house to yourself for two weeks and you don't have to pay any tax on it. Good luck. 
<laughs> I will go on and explain that when you see things like that, you need to realize that there are rules and circumstances around everything, and you need to be informed whether or not you want to stick your own neck out in some of these situations. And know thank the consequences you. before you just do something, you know? On behalf of the profession, thank you for uh, bringing some <laughs> reason to the advice out there on social it media. It drives me crazy. This whole, take a tax-free vacation. No. How about no? How about <laughs> we look at what we went there for, and we look at the the cost while we were there, and what was what if that really was business? I did one recently. I went on a business trip with my husband because I wanted a change of scenery. And so I'm sitting in the hotel room working while he's out working, working. We're in a different city. And I went to, out to get lunch. And I'm like, oh, perfect opportunity. I jumped on Instagram. I said, just because I am with my husband on his business trip and I bought lunch while I'm working, this does not make this a business write-off. I am not here for business purposes. So well, that's I'm like good. the voice crying in the wilderness. <laughs> Well, but it, it seems to be attracting the right kind of clients. And then, you know, right, I imagine your clients are willing to listen to you when you tell them, hey, this isn't worth yeah. the risk, right? Um, yes. I have just, the kind of clients that say, I don't want to go to jail. Those are the good clients <laughs> to have. Yeah. I don't want to go to jail. Maybe that could be a uh, a gatekeeping kind of question, right, in our intake <laughs> forms. Is, you know, how willing are you to go yeah. to jail to save money on your taxes? <laughs> and if they say yes at all, then you say no. You're like, uh, no, thank you. Well, it, you know, we were talking about this in a recent episode of uh, of our podcast, the Cloud Accounting Podcast, uh, the pumpkin patch episode, talking about, yes. you know, this this one particular piece of tax advice that got everyone's attention because it was around Halloween and it was about take your family to a pumpkin patch and you can deduct the whole thing if you do these five steps, you know, employ them as models, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> Very, very stretching the envelope, if not just right over the line kind of stuff. And I think uh, we talked to Jeremy Wells about that, and I'd, I'd be curious to hear your take on this. I think the thing that he said to me that resonated was, while yes, you might be able to make an argument for this, it's almost certainly not worth the risk based on how much mm -hmm. tax you're actually going to save from doing it, because it's a huge red flag. And that's, exactly. that to me as a business owner resonated because yes, I want to save money on taxes and I want to be as aggressive as I can be because I only want to pay what I really owe, right? But I also right. don't want to deal with an audit. I don't want to go, go to tax court. I don't want to deal with fines and penalties, right? So there's this risk reward kind of analysis that needs to be done whenever you're doing this kind of, what was the example you had? The take a vacation and your business pays for it, right? Yes. Yeah, so that was one that I came across where this guy's standing on a beach going, follow me to learn how to take a free a tax-free vacation. It's like, oh, my gosh. And the problem is I do get the people who come to me. And luckily, they're pretty much trained now. They'll be like, I saw this on another site. What do you think of this? And they'll be like, oh, God, here we go. Like, okay, that is a true statement. However, try to take this statement and apply it to your business. What is it that you are doing and how does this, even with the um, research and development credit, I've yeah. had so many people reach out and go, hey, do you think I could qualify for this credit? And I'm like, you're a physical therapist. Tell me what you're researching and developing. And I'm all ears. I mean, I'm not going to say automatically you can't. I, I bought a little tool. I have no idea. This person is not my client. I bought a tool from a physical therapist. It's called the hip hook. And I would imagine, since she's not my client, that someone advised her, hey, you, you're putting a product, a physical heart product to market. She she very likely was a physical therapist who qualified for the R&D tax credit. I don't know. But if you're just running a physical therapy practice and you've got canned software that you're trying to tweak to, you know, you're turning one little switch to make it communicate with something in your business, that's not going to get you there, at least in my yeah. opinion. But again... I did not choose to specialize in that, so I will refer you to someone who can legitimately walk you through that, not these fly-by-night companies that have popped up. Well, and what's great about your presence on Instagram is that your clients follow you, your prospects follow you, and so they see you saying, being this voice of reason. So when they come to you, they don't expect you to just say yes to whatever crazy strategy that they want to try. They know who you right. are, and, and if you're, you're filtering them out before they even talk to you. Right. right. That, On the, yeah, because yeah. the flip side of that is if they're watching me and going, oh, she's not going to let me deduct anything, good. Go, don't, don't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
So um, had you ever been on Instagram before you started doing this? You said, I think you said you signed up in 2016. 2016, I had my personal account. So yeah, okay. that was just that was just Sandy York on Instagram, and just what made you, know, you what made you sign up in pictures. 2016? Like, what? Why did you finally get on? I think the... it was one of those times where I had gotten sick of Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. I may have had some relatives that were like being a pain in the butt on Facebook, oh, and I was like, that was that election season? Because that's when I think a lot of people could have been. Yeah, it could have been. I, when it was Hillary yeah. Clinton and Donald Trump, that is when I stopped using Facebook. Like my usage went down ninety percent because that's all I saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm and just I, like, just show me your pictures. At that point, you yeah. back then, it there weren't like captions and writing any descriptions. It was like, here's a picture of my friend's cat. Oh, yes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you went on it, and so yeah, like I, I think I did the same thing. I started using Instagram. Because I just I just wanted to see the pictures. I wanted to see people's lives. Yeah. I didn't want to see all their political opinions all the time. Exactly. Not that I don't like seeing that, but when it's like, I want it to be like 10% of my feed, not 90% of it. Right. Yeah. Of course, then people figured out how to do that in stories, right? They'd take screenshots and then put that into their stories. I'm like, no, no, save that for Facebook. That's where we have the yeah. un- unhelpful political discussions where nobody's mind is ch- changed, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh I forgot where I was going with that question. I guess, oh, I guess it was, so you got on in 2016, uh, and basically within a few years, you'd kind of figured it out, and, and you just got comfortable posting personal stuff. Like, w- did you have a public account yeah. to start, or was it just for friends to start? I think that's a good question. I can't remember if I changed it to private or not. Because that, for me, was a big step. I had a private account for years and years and years and I never posted yeah. anything professionally and then for me to decide to change it to public and then and I had to really think about what do I what am I okay with posting that I used to post just for my friends for the, right. the, the right. world right that's I think that's the reason a lot of us don't get on social is because we have a hard time sharing like getting rid of that barrier but mm-hmm. maybe younger generations don't feel this way like they're used to everything being out there but i don't know i i'm a i'm what they call an elder millennial i'm 39 so for me i got facebook in college and Mm -hmm. so there and 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 facebook was a closed system it was just your friends there wasn't public right and so i got used to posting on social media just for my friends and then the idea of doing it as a public person was new and so i you know like that was hard for me now i'm oh i definitely I definitely went through that when I established this Fit Money Coach account in 2019. And I used that that Instagram challenge post every day for a week. And I'm putting stuff out there that, you know, now I'm putting myself in a position where people can question my authority, which I got to tell you, I've been on there since 2019, fully public account, and I have yet to be trolled. I shouldn't say that because now they're all going to come. <laughs> But you know, our listeners would when never first, troll you. Our listeners are great people who would never do that. When I first joined Instagram, it had the reputation as being you know all the, all the polished and curated pictures. You only put your best picture on there, and you know we went through the yeah. duck lip phase and, and all of that. Oh, thank God that's over. I never never <laughs> fell victim to that. But for the most part, I was doing word tiles. Yeah. Word tiles or um, some, you know, Canva graphics or, or something like that. It took a long time for me to put my face on there and to be comfortable, especially because, like, I, I did my hair and makeup for you today. <laughs> I don't normally do that. It's like a rare, rare occasion. So I'm on there with, like, the messy bun and yeah. no filter. I've never used a filter in my life. I've got this this window that the side light comes through, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. And you see <laughs> all of that. <laughs> And that took a really long time to get comfortable with and not be scared that people were going to say something like, you know, I don't know, what is this old hag talking about? <laughs> I, I have to say, like, I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm nervous posting as a man on social media. And like, if I was held to the standard that women are held to, I don't know if I would be doing it. Like, you have to be really brave. Like, that, yeah. it just well, it seems luckily, that there's a there's a swing now. There's all of this you know, the body positivity movement and all of that. And you are seeing an older crowd, like even older than me, you're seeing these people on Instagram now. And and I don't want to 
be naive and go out on too much of a limb, but it seems like yeah. we're finally starting to get comfortable with aging in America. It's a thing. It happens if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky, you get to live long enough to age. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Now, I, I think it's, that's... There seems to be more acceptance. I guess, you know, as we as we all age together and there's more and more people who are older on social media, yeah, it's going to become normal, right? And we're maybe at some point we will stop applying filters uh, all the time or, you know, whatever. But yeah, it, it, getting comfortable, I think, I mean, even if you're not concerned about that, how you look, it's just getting comfortable making a video that's really hard. So I want to go back to what you said, which was you got started with a daily video challenge. Is that right? It wasn't right? a video. It was just a posting. Just a posting. Okay. How did you yep. get comfortable with doing actual video? Because that's a barrier for a lot of people, I think. It was tough. You just got to do it. You just got to, you know, wing in a prayer and, and go for it. It's luckily they're kept really short. Um, I think even back in the day, I think it was only 30 seconds. Now you get a minute, I think. So it's it's really short. You're not going to have to look at yourself for long. For me, even harder than looking at myself was listening to myself. My yeah. voice sounds very different to myself than when I hear it. Um, and and that was tough. And learning how many times I... Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> that That's, kind of, or giggle. I didn't realize how much I giggle until I had to listen to myself. Um, so yeah, it's it's just being willing to suck it up and go for it. This I knew that this was what I wanted to do. This was the platform that I was going to use to try to reach people. And in order to do that, I had to show myself as a real human who's relatable. And if I'm feeling that nervous and scared about it, then there's probably a lot of other people who are too. Did you make any mistakes along the way? I'm sure I did. <laughs> Don't we all? Um, <laughs> anything you, anything, we, yeah, anything you could share, uh, like like posts that didn't quite go the way you'd hoped, or I think because that's that's what we're kind of afraid of doing is being wrong or making you know putting things out there that aren't 100 percent correct in in accounting. Yeah. Or I, you know, I still have some of that too. If, if there's anything where I've like, have just like a hint of, I could be challenged on this and, and I could be wrong. Um, I'll think twice before I think about, you know, my, my conviction of it and, and whether or not I want to go there. Most of my stuff is just so very basic though. I'm working mm -hmm. with people who have just opened businesses in the pandemic, mostly. Some of them were had open businesses before and then had to pivot to online during the pandemic or because of the pandemic. But for the most part, most of my people are in very early stages of beginning their businesses. So speaking to them in some ways is a lot less risky than going out on a limb and talking about a topic mm. that I really don't have any background in. Well, that's a good point. So you're, you're talking about material that you are very confident in and that helps to be confident on social media on video is, is yes i know this i know this really yeah. well i can stand by it i can defend it yeah yeah and and again picking my niche that's that's like the the number one thing is find your niche and niche down as far as you can go i didn't just niche down to service providers because i don't know a thing about retail and inventory and point of sale systems and any of that, that's that's not me. You want to find somebody else to help mm -hmm. you with all of that stuff. I'm a service provider. provider. <laughs> yeah. And knowing who my audience is and speaking directly to them instead of trying to reach the broad accounting market in general where you open your arms and you say, somebody, anybody, please just come be my client. There's a big difference there. You know, I don't have any local clients whatsoever. I'm, I'm not, I, I, I have not built a practice in a town where when I move from this town, I'm going to lose all my clients. I'm in Upper Peninsula, Michigan. That, that cutout on the wall behind me with my name and my logo on it, that's the shape of the Upper Peninsula. Like everybody thinks this is Michigan and it is, but Michigan has this peninsula on top of it. Yep, yep. So I'm, I'm up there and I've got clients in California, New Mexico, New York, uh, New Hampshire, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, Texas, and probably somewhere else. Do you use any other social media or is it all Instagram? 
Instagram is the only thing I'm using for my business. I had considered at one point cross-posting to Facebook, but I never really got to the point where I needed that. I've, I've got a waiting list of people who want me to do their taxes, and I'm really close to getting to waitlisting, onboarding, monthly bookkeeping clients. It depends on how quickly my contractors can get up to speed and how much they can take, whether or not I'm going to have to waitlist. And that's a whole other challenge is building that. It's a whole that, other challenge. Building I that never thought I would be there. Bookkeeping I, team. You know, I thought no. this was going to be a nice little solo practice 20 hours a week and just so many people needed help that it kind of broadened my horizon on, on what is possible. And if I allow myself, I haven't, I haven't allowed myself to go there other than just like a, a brief little flicker in my mind. But if I allow myself to go there and picture having a bookkeeping manager who is handling all of that. Because what I'm finding now is I have just enough clients. I, I'm approaching, let, let's call it 100 even. Let's, let's say instead of 60, it's 80. I don't know. I'm approaching 100 clients. Plus, you, if you figure in my coaching call clients, mm-hmm. there's always somebody in my email box every day that has a question that needs a little more work. Is this the year we're going to take them from sole proprietor to S-Corp? I have one of mine that is investing in something that's entirely outside of what she does for her business. She's doing it as an investment, but it required some tax planning around that investment. And it involved looking at her basis and her S-Corp and you know all of this kind of stuff that I don't account for in my daily time budget. So I work through these things and then at the end of the day, I'm like, God, I didn't get anything done today. Well, I did. It's just all the things I got done were emergent needs taking care of things and being that communicative communicative client or accountant that everyone wants. But I've still got to take care of my monthly people. So that's kind of where I'm at now is figuring all that out. Well, sounds like you're enjoying the challenge. And that is the most important thing, right? Is you have a business that you are passionate about. You like the people you work with and, and you can do it from anywhere. So it works with your situation where you got to move around, right? And and, yes. and you can just keep doing this. Well, Sandy, if if anyone's listening who is a bookkeeping manager, maybe <laughs> maybe uh, they'd want to reach out and talk to you. Like where would that, I guess your Instagram would probably be the best place, right? My Instagram would be the best place. Yes. At Fit Money Coach, F-I-T-M-O-N-E-Y-C-O-A-C-H. Well, that's Great. I'm going to follow you on Instagram and I hope our listeners do as well at Fit Money Coach. And thank you, Sandy, because I, I mentioned at the beginning that I'm a bit sleep deprived today and this has woken me up and energized me. I want to do a better job posting on, on Instagram more frequently as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a promise to myself to do that. Excellent. Thanks for chatting with me and I, I hope I get to see you around soon. Any chance you'll be at uh, QuickBooks Connect? In December? I had thought about it. I was close. I was supposed to go to California to present at a little um, fitness entrepreneur's workshop that was going on. And I didn't get to go to that because my husband got COVID and I was worried about exposing others. I ended up not getting it, thank goodness. So when that didn't work out, I thought about going to Connect. And then I'm like, mm. I looked uh, not too long ago and they said it was sold out. So that kind of that kind of took it off of my my radar for the moment. Yeah, I think they did not anticipate. But you can bet. <laughs> if I ever get there, I will look for you guys. You won't awesome. see me at ZeroCon. <laughs> Just quick, quick. Well, that's fine because you know what? We go to both and we use both. We actually, we have we have zero for one. I have one client on zero. Okay. Good. So, so you can go. You know, you're, you're, you're uh, that's legit, right? Um, yeah, we have one entity on zero and one on QuickBooks. And of course, as you know, with me and David in our cloud accounting podcast, we come from those two different worlds. So we have fun yeah. discussing it. Um, I've actually been using QuickBooks now because we're setting it up for an entity. And the uh, the built-in bill pay is pretty fantastic. Yes. Like that is it a really killer is. feature. Like zero's got to do that if they want to win in the US, in my opinion. But that'll have to be a topic for another show. Sandy, <laughs> thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a great rest of your week. And uh, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you. It was my pleasure. It was a fun. I've done a lot of podcasts with my target audience. This is my first time ever speaking to accountants. So it was really cool.
Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something new. And if you did, wouldn't it be nice to get some CPE credit for it? Well, I've got great news. My new app, Earmark CPE, offers free NASPA-approved CPE credits for listening to podcasts, including this one. Visit earmarkcpe.com to download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. That's earmarkcpe.com. 